Oh, yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Crazy Ike Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Follow me on social media at Crazy Ike Fan on Instagram and on Twitter. Crazy Ike Fan Facebook page. How are all my this doing out there? And also, welcome to all other Greek football fans. You know, I, I like having conversations with everyone and everyone to be engaged in this podcast. Whew. What a weekend, what a weekend for Ike, in football at least. Whew. Where can I even start? Jam-packed show today, so I'll try to get through it as quick as possible. Gosh, how are you guys feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. This has been a good few days after the big Debbie win in the Saloniki. I get the win 1-0 against Balk. It's crazy how I think the, this, the way this weekend went is I think the way the rest of the playoffs are going to go. And how much fun is this? I know there's a lot of anxiety. I was feeling very anxious about this match. I, you know, I briefly touched on it before. Um, in the last podcasts of how I was feeling kind of not so optimistic about it. Uh, I didn't come out and say this on the last pod, but part of me felt that... Uh, if I were to lose here, the mathematically maybe we wouldn't be out of it, but psychologically I think it would have been a huge blow for the entire Ike organization, for the fan base. Um, thank goodness that didn't happen. I'll get more into that in a second. Let's start off with uh, today's a big day in Ike history, April 4th, 1968. Ike basketball won the first European trophy in any team sport uh, for a Greek club. And also, it was, it was record-breaking. It was the Guinness World Book of Records for the biggest outdoor basketball attendance. And that wasn't broken till sometime in the, I don't remember when, um, the Dallas Cowboys here in America built their stadium. And they hosted, I think it was the Final Four in college basketball, where that record was actually broken. A uh, big day in, in in Greek sports history. I mean, I, I really think this is the first step to what catapulted Greek basketball to what it is today. I know a lot of people point to the 1987 European Championship, but for me, the starting point was 1968. I had a big upset against uh, Slavia Prague. Um, side note here also. I went to the Ike shop many years ago. I think it was back in 1996 and bought uh, a CD. I just happened to see a CD and I was like, oh, I'm going to buy the CD. And uh, at the end of that CD, it had the recording. It was the very first time. If you ha have never heard it, if you YouTube it, you, you can find it. The recording of the audio of the last, um, I think it's like the last minute or so of the, of the game. Uh, just stuff that'll give you goosebumps as an Ike fan. But big day, and also Ike BC today. Good luck to them facing Hopwell, Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, uh, we're underdogs again, but it seems when Ike are the underdogs, they do so well this season. Good luck to them as they kick off their, or start their uh, uh, best of three series against Hopwell, Jerusalem in the quarterfinals of the BCL. But let's talk about what we're here to talk about. I mean, how are you guys feeling? I know most of you guys, as you're going to the Cafe Neo the past few days, is everyone's got a little bit, probably more of a little bit of a pep in their step. Chest is a little pumped out. Feeling good as opposed to the past two weeks after that uh, 
you know, that nil-nil draw against Panathinaikos and wondering where this team is going and wondering if, you know, our season's going to be over after this past Sunday. Uh, so I'm going to take the, the, the podcast in a different direction. I'm going to go over some news and notes about the team. We've had a couple of key injuries. I'm going to do a little bit of a, of a monologue talking about how I saw things in the, in the match and things that I was right about, things that I was wrong about. And then also, as I've done the past few podcasts, just go through player evaluation, talk about the the good things we saw on the pitch from each player and the not so good things in some players. But let's get started, guys. So news and notes, two key injuries, CDB suffered an injury, which is going to sideline him for about a month. This is a tough injury, of course, because CDB started Sunday and had a tremendously good game. I mean... I was nervous with him starting in this match. Uh, I personally said that I would have wanted to see Rota because I thought that uh, CD Ben maybe just didn't have the speed to keep up. He does. I mean, he played phenomenal. I'll get more into it later. But he suffers an injury, um, which is, is kind of really a shame. And now it puts into question, I know Redonga has been called up from the B side. He's played in a few cup matches. Uh, now it's kind of like, well, what happens if Rota gets injured? You know, knock on wood. Um, Amrabat will miss about three weeks with a thigh strain. Uh, you know, that's also a big loss. Again, I'll get into it in a little bit of the, the game that uh, Amrabat had. Fernandez, after dealing with a little bit of a heart arrhythmia issue, is back. He should be fully fit. Most likely won't start tomorrow against Volos or play tomorrow against Volos. Um, he's on the, the, the squad sheet that I saw. But he'll probably see some game time in uh, against Aris, which is exciting. You know, I've said I wanted to see more of this player. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see him and uh, him and uh, Eliasson kind of share that wing position over the next few games. While hopefully, I'm about uh, probably I'm we're looking at after Bosca him being back in the squad. Um, but very exciting stuff. So let's get into it. So. Three points, three major points where I was right on as far as this match is concerned. I said it the other day on the podcast. Ike needed to grind out a win. We needed three points in this match, three points. And we've seen the psychology of the team change. Of course, the the other results in the other matches were a big cherry on top. But we needed to win this game, you know. And then we knew it was going to be tough. Tumba is a very tough place for any team to go in and play. And the fact that we haven't gotten a, a Derby win on the road and to be able to do it now in the playoffs, to push back Pauk, uh, it doesn't completely take them out of contention, but, you know, you give some space between you and Pauk. Um, and because of the other results, you distance yourself a little bit from Olympiacos and you're tied with points on Panathinaikos. Uh, another point that I had made, uh, my second point was one that I already mentioned about Pauk. You leave a good, talented team like Pauk that had been playing great football. Honestly, the past two weeks, they haven't played that well against Aris. I know they won against Aris and against Ike. But, you know, that's for them to figure out. And the third point that I was right on, Volos and Aris, tough outs, man. Everyone was saying, you know, you need to get points against Volos and Aris. And now the Greek media is starting to say everything that I happened to mention last week was I thought that the title was going to be decided on. Look, 
the big teams are going to beat up on each other. You know, don't expect just because I could beat Pauk that we're going to go Treno now and we're going to win the championship. I mean, hopefully that happens. That's what we're all hoping for and waiting on. But that might, that's probably not going to happen because you're, you're playing up against good quality opponents. Olympiacos seem to be a little bit reeling a little bit. You know, uh, Misel handed in his resignation yesterday. That I'll get in more into that later. Panathinaikos, as I said on this podcast, and you guys need to be listening, they can't score. They're a good team. They don't lose very easily. It's very, very difficult to beat this team. And that's why they have been up on top of the league or tied on top of the league now with Ike is because they don't lose very easily, but they have a very hard time scoring. And even though they were awarded a penalty, now I didn't see highlights of the game, but uh, I had to laugh when they were awarded a penalty late in the game and they missed it. Um, so the big teams are going to beat up on each other. That leaves Aris and Bolos where people said, oh, you know, people were chalking it in, you know, like, oh, yeah, everyone's going to beat these teams. That's not true. These are good quality teams. Aris got a lot of quality. Bolos has got a lot of quality. And Europe is massive for both of these teams. So until one of them is able to pull away to where they feel comfortable with not giving up on a game, but, you know, if if a game goes sideways, like Aris, for example, if they were ahead in this matchup, in this race between them and Volos, if Adis were ahead by five or six points the other day, and they're down 2-0, which they should have been down a lot more, Tolibiakos, then they wouldn't have fought back for the tie. They wouldn't have, you know, I, that's what I'm assuming, is they would have conserved their energy and been like, okay, you know, we, we have that little bit of cushion. Since they're not allowed this cushion, because they already knew that Volos and... and Panathinaikos tied. Volos were able to take a point uh, from Panathinaikos at, at, in, in Lofotos. They're like, we need, to, we need to battle back. And they were given opportunities because of sloppy defending Barlibiakos to get back into this match. So as long as that race stays tight, these teams are going to come out and fight. Let's not think tomorrow that we're going to go back to Volos and beat them 4-0 like we did earlier in the season. I don't think that's going to happen. And especially with Volos changing their style up like they did against Panathinaikos, uh, so I've heard, where they played a little bit, holding their lines more defensively. Volos were applauded earlier in the season because they would not do that, and people can, op- can open them up. That wasn't the case. They didn't show that against Panathinaikos. They held back a little bit, and Panathinaikos, who already has a difficult time scoring, um we're not able to, I don't know, I, I, like I said, I didn't watch highlights in this match. I know Panathinaikos missed a couple of big opportunities, including the penalty. But point being is that I was right that we shouldn't write off Volos and Aris. And I truly believe that these next two matches, if I take them, get six points out of these next two matches, that gives them a little bit of, a, of an up on, because... You got to look at it. All your other contenders are going to lose points. Panathinaikos tomorrow have to go up to play in, in against Adis. Adis is going to have a lot of confidence. Again, Adi are only a point ahead of Bolos. They're going to try to get maximum points. They're not just going to lay down and say, okay, Panathinaikos are in our title hunt. We're chasing Europe. And for both of these teams, Europe is massive. Like I just said, Europe brings a lot of money in. Europe, you know... Carapidis has stretched his budget out. You know what I mean? Like 
they want to make Europe. They're not going to care who they're going against. They're going to fight. And they both got talented squads. So you have Panathinaikos going against Aris. That's not a guarantee anymore. Panathinaikos are going to have pressure. They're now tied with Ike. You know, uh, Olympiacos got to play Pauk, which Pauk are definitely playing their last hand. If Pauk lose this match, and depending on what the fallout of the rest of the games are going to be, they could potentially be nine points back of whoever's going to be leading the league. If and the, and that and you're done at that point. It's it's hard for them to. They have a heartbeat now. They could completely be killed off by Olympiacos. So you know they're going to come out swinging. And an Olympiacos team that just switched the manager again, which I'll get into it now. I was going to get into it a little later, but. To me, that's a terrible decision. Now, Mitzel might have said, you know what? Screw it. I'm getting a lot of scrutiny, a lot of pressure. Gate 7 came out with a, a whole statement of grab your things and go home. I, and I get their frustration. And I'm sure that if, if Ike were put in this position, it'd probably be the same. But you got to look at the bigger picture here. Like, that's not the answer. Because now you're bringing in the technical director or whoever to come in into a do-or-die game against against Pauk, where you have to win and you're playing your season. This next week for Olympiacos, they're playing their season. You got Pauk, and then you got to go in the photos and play Panathinaikos, and then you have the cup replay, the second leg, against Ike. I I echo the sentiments of a lot of Olympiacos fans that I've seen on Twitter and on other social media where they're like, what the heck is going on? Why is this happening? Let the guy finish out the season. There's nothing you could do now. At least he gave Olympiacos some stability. So we don't know what team we're going to see tomorrow. It's going to be very, very interesting. So point being, Ike, these are two massive matchups getting up. These are matchups where they're not going to be give-me's against Volos and against Aris. If we can get all six points, you know the other teams are going to drop points. Somebody's going to drop points. Pauk or Nolibacos are both going to drop points or, or somebody's going to, are going to drop points and be left behind in this situation. You have to take advantage of that. You have to take advantage where your two main contenders, Olympiacos and Panathinaikos, just dropped points over the weekend against Aris and Volos and take advantage of that if you're Ike. If you want to, we're back in the championship hunt. We're back in the conversation. If you really want to take that next step forward and really put pressure on these teams and then after the Pasca break, I think probably the first game is probably going to be against Olympiacos again. Uh, and I want to say it's that Wednesday after Pasca. Um, that becomes an entire massively match, you know. But we have to, we have to take these, these six points in order. Like if we, we don't need four points, we need a max of six points. Will that happen? I don't know, but uh, this Pauk victory helped us, helped everyone, the team psychologically, the players, the organization, not just beating Pauk, but beating Pauk the way that we did, where Pauk did nothing for most of the match. Uh, Pauk, who the heck knows what was going on with that referee? I mean, all right, so full disclosure here, I was out of town. That's why I wasn't tweeting from the beginning of the match. I listened to... I started listening about the 25th minute on in the car. And then I got home literally as I was pulling in the driveway, Araujo scored and I went crazy and I came in and cranked on and watched the last 15 minutes of the match while my, my freaking heart was getting ready to pump out of my chest. 
because we were playing to me what looked like a little bit of sloppy defending. I, I think we should have pre- like. I know a lot of pundits in Greece said that we we did the right thing in pulling back. We were having the results, so we needed to hold our lines. But I think we should have pressured Falk a little more. At least the two forwards should have gotten up. Uh, Araujo and um, and Levi should no not Araujo. Araujo was out at that point. Zuber and Levi should have went up and pressed Falk uh, a little bit more to not give them so much ball control because we know, like I saw Falk hovering outside of our box and I was like, all they need to do is take a shot. It needs to ricochet again, like, like off of Vida, like it did in the last match. And you know, the Hamos, we need to hold this result, <laughs> which like I said, I 100% understand the pundits, but I would have liked to have seen Ike pressure more. Cause I think, uh, Falk were a little discombobulated at the time. We could have gotten a second goal and really, and really put the game away. Um, and taking away a lot of the anxiety of all like fans. I'm sure everyone was feeling anxiety at that point. Um, but just a massive, massive win. And then to see the other results come out, you know, I already knew that uh, Panathinaikos and Volos finished nil-nil. And then, um, you know, I thought Olympiacos had the game in the bag. I was like, damn, Olympiacos looked good. I watched a little bit of the match and then I, I switched to watching something else. And uh, just happened to check my phone, and I was, and I was like two two. I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta re, I gotta put this back on and see what's going on here. Um, so you know, as I've always said about these playoffs, very exciting. I mean, if you're a neutral, if you're a fan that has a team outside of the playoffs, or if you're a, t- a fan that's just not you support a certain club, but you're kind of on the fence. You're like, you know, I support them, but I'm not such a fanatic. To take the emotion out of it, like if I was watching this in any other league, it'd be get your popcorn ready and and very entertaining. Now it's like get your inhalers ready, get your hapya ready, get your, you know, if you smoke, your cigarettes ready. Not that I'm condoning smoking. Don't smoke, kids. But, you know, it's it's giving you a lot of anxiety. Um, But let's get into the match here, guys. So, like I said, I'm going to talk about each player, talk about their performance. Let's start with Anathasiadis. He did have that one goofy moment where literally, if, if gosh, he almost really just did an own goal, uh, which a lot of people are giving him crap for. A lot of people, I don't know why, they, they don't trust him. They don't like him. Uh, the guy did, when he was called on, he, he he's always played well. I mean, yes, he had a couple of bad games. Listen, but... If you talk to anybody that knows anything about football, keepers are going to make mistakes. They're going to cost you games at some point. That's just the way football is. You just hope it's not in a crucial moment or you just hope you can overcome it. Yes, the last game in Tumba, he had a terrible showing. Um, but I think he was solid in the in this game. Uh, just did his job when he was called upon. C.D. Bell that <clears throat> playing uh, right back phenomenal game. I wish the guy didn't get injured. I thought he was up and down the pitch. You saw his movement when he got close to the box. He really helped Amrabat out. out. I feel like he helped Amrabat look good more so than Rota. Like I've always said, I like Rota as an overall player, but he's definitely developed more defensively over the year and can be an offensive weapon if he can just do better finishing. But I also saw guys watching the game on on the replay the next day that 
the movement of CD Bay so much better. And it's the movement that helps the attacking players get better passes off. It's not it's not the pass of the attacking player. It's it's the movement of what's the other player doing. Are they staying stagnant? Are they are they getting in position? Are they able to get behind the defense somehow that makes uh <clears throat> that makes the pass look good? It's that movement of how a player can create. And I saw that a lot out of CD Bay. He was very impressive, but he also tracked back on defense, which was the part that I was worried about with, you know, Costa Dellas at times attacking from that side or Neddy attacking from that side uh, kind of would scare you at times. But Balk really didn't show me much. They really just didn't, up until the last 10 minutes of the game after the goal, where they were like, okay, we need to score. Uh, I, and this was Ike. Balk did not play bad. Ike made them look bad. Ike, it, it it was shadows of, you know, the first game in, in Philadelphia. I mean, if that first goal that should have counted, I don't know what the heck. Uh, the only two explanations is that either the ref was, it was rigged, it was fixed, the ref was in it for the fix, or he just had a complete blackout where he lost uh, his mind over who had possession. Now, one question I did have, and it was answered through me listening to the media and the radio on what the rule is. My question, watching it the next day, is why didn't the referee go to the monitor? Why didn't he go to VAR? Well, here's the explanation that was given. Because he blew the whistle. He had blown the whistle. Um, and called him, uh, We don't even know what he called at this point. Like, you know, Tofilo Agona or the game log is going to show us exactly, I hope, what happened. But uh, what what exactly did this guy call? And the problem is, I know everyone wants foreign refs. Every, like, supposedly this is some elite ref. Now, the rest of the match, I do feel he he called fair. But this was, this was a blunder, man. This wasn't just, you know, this was... This was a bad freaking call. I mean, I haven't seen a bad call like this in football in a long time. And the fact that Falk put out a statement that said that uh, an offensive foul was called on Amrabat, I don't know who saw that. Maybe it was Luchescu's ghost or something coming down. And even Luchescu himself said that, you know, that goal should have counted. Now, in the same breath, Luchescu did say that uh, when Ike was starting to attack, on the play where where Ike ended up scoring, Araujo ended up scoring, that uh, there was a foul on uh, on Douglas Augusto, which, hey, Douglas Augusto should have been out of the match. That's another thing where it makes you kind of think maybe this was in for the fix because, like, I call it like I see it, man. The past couple of weeks, I've called it that Amrabat, yes, Panathinaikos fans and Olivacos fans have a right to be complaining because Amrabat should have been handed a red in both of those matches. He should have gotten a second yellow. He should not have been playing in either of those matches. And we've I've talked about it on the podcast, how his his nevra, his temperament, could have really cost us over the last couple of games and how I was shocked that he was starting in this match, despite the fact that he had a good match. <laughs> so, <laughs> excuse me. So, uh, but I don't know what what this referee... But my point to this is, if we were able to score that first goal, this would have easily been a game where it was 2-3-0. I mean, honestly, I played that well. But again, Ike's finishing, 
the reason why I said I was right and where they grinded it out, they didn't create very many, they didn't create as many opportunities as they normally do. We didn't see the stat sheet that we normally do where I have like 15, 16 shots, like eight on target, and you're pulling your hair out wondering like, how come we've had so many shots on target and we can't get them to go to go in? That wasn't the case. They just, they really just played better Bala than Pauk, honestly. I mean, I deserved to win regardless. I mean, I know the other goal was offsides where Javela scored. And even the fact that he had to like hold on for a minute, to me, I was kind of like, this guy's going to go look at it. He's going to find a reason. It was like he was trying to find a reason. Kambakov, first off, he's a Belarusian. He's a Belarusian that's next to Russia, that Savilis has ties to. I'm not, I ain't saying, I'm just saying. Um, but it was like he was trying to find a reason that I, uh, I want to cancel out this goal or disallow this goal and I can't find a reason to do it. That's how I saw it. I don't know. Um, let's move on. Vida and Zabelas, surprisingly a very good center back pairing. Um, they both played well. You just can't say enough. I mean, the tackles that Vida had, the speed that he, that he showed out there, he wasn't fast, but you could tell he was hustling anytime, like, especially towards the end of the match when uh, Nettie would get the, or anytime in the second half when Nettie would get the ball and, and get out really fast on that wings. And then Brandon, the substitute, came in. And got off on that wing. He had a couple of really like just professional world-class tackles. Had a phenomenal game. Haji Safi, just a workhorse. You know, he's just a player's player. Like, he won't dazzle you. And he's not going to make you, your eyes pop with his style of play. But he's a, a, a solid player to, to have playing right now for you for Ike. Moving up the pitch, Simonski, I think this was one of his best matches. And again, we have to wonder why Almeida sees playing two sixes in the game. You know, I think they play fine together, but it just seems like when either Janssen comes out or Simonski comes out, the other player shines. So I don't know. I don't know if Almeida just doesn't trust just wants to have that security in there because they want to press so high uh, where he wants to have two defensive midfielders in the mat in, in the, in every game. But soon as Jonsson was out, Levy Garcia came in in the second half and Simonski just shined. He had an okay first half, but in the second half, it was one of the best halves Simonski has had in this, in, in uh, uh, to me this entire season. So he played very well. Uh, like I said, in the second half, Jonsson came out, uh, which he had an, an okay match. You know, Jonsson is, again, a professional's professional. Uh, Stand-up guy, solid player. I don't want to reiterate this again because I just said it, but Jonsson and Simonski, they seem to just play better when, when, when the other's off the pitch. So Jonsson came out. I think he was also dealing with a little bit of an injury, but you could tell at that point, I mean, beginning of the second half, when you take Jonsson out and put Levy Garcia in, and you bring back Araujo to his normal spot right behind the the attacking player in kind of a, a second that second forward role that he plays, and then bring Pineda back to play in like a number ten role where Pineda was great. 
Pineda, yes, he might not be scoring. He might not be the the shiny player in the first half of the season before the World Cup break. I really thought he was the player of the season, not just for Ike, but in the Greek Super League. I don't think his play has dropped off, but he's also been moving around a lot. He looked very solid until he was subbed off for uh, Mandalos, which was great substitutions. And you could tell by Almeida making these substitutions that we were going all in. We needed three points. He understood the urgency. He understood that we, we could we could get all three points, and the players were eventually rewarded. Moving out to the right side, Amrabat, first half, up until he was subbed out due to injury. Great. Just a phenomenal game for him. He held the ball, but I really, truly believe Sidibe helped that situation. Sidibe's movement, the way... Not to say that Rota doesn't make... Because you could tell when you're watching the games that Rota does make runs down the pitch to help Amrabat. I don't know why. They just, they, uh, Amrabat and Sidibe just seem to be more, you know, more, they click better together for me. They, it was, Ike were playing so well and it was one of Amrabat's best matches of the season in my eyes. And then we saw Eliasson come on. And of course, when I was in the car and I first heard Amnabat was on, because I said this in the podcast last week, that I really felt that he should have been sad in this match and Eliasson finally needs to get a full game. Did he, he just hasn't been the same player since injury. Maybe it's just not he's, you know, maybe he's playing scared because he did have a major injury. Maybe he's not fully fit. Maybe he just needs more time. Maybe he, this is going to help him by getting, he's at least going to start against Volos probably and then... Probably at bare minimum, I'm going to start it at least start against Adi. So over the weekend, maybe this time period that Amrabat's out, we can get Eliasson back, and with him getting full games or at least getting the start and playing a full, you know, 60, 70 minutes under his belt, maybe he can improve, and we could see that same Eliasson that uh, he looked lost sometimes on the pitch in, in the second half um, when he was subbed on. So Gatsinovich again, I think I already mentioned this, but I forget. He just does not look like the same player, and I don't know why. I think he has better better movement than Zuber. Uh, he can get in the box easier than Zuber. He has a little bit more speed. But Zuber has been in such good form lately that I don't see why Almeida's counting so hard on Gatsinovich, I think Zuber should be given an opportunity to start. Let's see what he can do. Because you could tell Gatsinovich again, maybe it's injury. Maybe it's uh, psych- psychology that he hasn't scored in a little while or hasn't been playing well or is trying too hard. Uh, he just hasn't looked like himself. Not that he was terrible the other day, but we just all know this isn't the Gatsinovich we saw pre-injury or pre-World Cup break. Um, Araujo... What can you say? And Levy Garcia is, before I get to Aroca, Levy Garcia, under the same breath, like, uh, just doesn't look like himself. Now, I really wish he would have fell in the box. And in my eyes, that's a penalty. I mean, the ball player is holding him, regardless on whether he falls or not. There's a foul. Anywhere else on the pitch, that's a foul. Why that wasn't reviewed or why that wasn't called, again, we don't know. But to me... Uh, I I commend Levy for staying up because I really feel that he thought he had them and he almost did. I mean that would have been that would have been a goal that would have been awesome. It would almost cancel out 
Costadella's move because he's taking on freaking Falk's whole defense. If Levy Garcia would have put that away, would have gotten the opportunity to put that away on Sunday and make it 2-0 and to seal the deal easier for Ike, that would have been something to see. Uh, but again, hopefully these next couple of weeks, I mean, these next couple of games, he can start getting into game form and, you know, so we can make that final push in the playoffs. Um, what can you say, Mandalos? And maybe Mandalos needs to get a couple of games in here uh, to replace Pineda. Because Pineda gives you speed. He's got a great foot. But you don't see a lot of great passing by Pineda. And then the other thing that Pineda gives you that a lot of people don't pay attention to is he tracks back on defense. That we know Mandalos last year, Dograza Moli. Let's just put it like that. Because there were a couple of matches where you saw Mandalos take... You know, he lost the ball and he didn't go after on defense and transition to go after the player that he lost the ball to. Uh, specifically, I think this happened in the um, in either the Ofi match or the Panazolikos match where that cost Ike. And we saw that uh, from Mandalos a lot. And I think that's part of the reason why Mandalos had a lot of heat on him. But Almeida has proven, like, if you don't track back, if you don't play high intensity, if you don't play defense, I'm not going to play you. But Mandalos has a skill that Bineda, not to say that he doesn't, Mandalos just does better. Mandalo can give you, you, you know, some, some play through the center of the pitch. He can make a good pass, just like he did with Araujo. He can play through the center of the pitch where a lot of our wing play here lately has been failing, and we need more answers, especially as we're going to play against closed defenses. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see Mandalo get more game time. Maybe he might not start, but he would definitely be a good substitute if, let's say, against Volos tomorrow, it's still nil-nil or 1-1, or uh, even if it's 1-0 and we need someone to come in and create some more creativity, Mandalos can also hold the ball a little more uh, but that pass, I mean, that pass, it was a, it was a classical Araujo finish. The finishes that we're used to seeing Araujo, we're used to Araujo seeing those goals from him, those awesome goals. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we won the championship in seventeen eighteen, was because of finishes like that in the in the Super League, especially in derby matches. But good for them, and especially two players that, yeah, Araujo might not have heard a lot last season but he's been hearing a lot this season simply because he's not scoring and someone made a very good point in the Greek media that yeah Araujo maybe might not be getting those tremendously important goals or might not be scoring those memorable goals like he used to but he's still on pace to score as much as he scored in that season I think in that season he scored 12 13 goals he's got eight goals this season and you you don't realize that uh because we're so uh uh, we're writing him off so much, but he is playing a different role. And he said in an interview with um, uh, a YouTube interview with, uh, oh gosh, what are their guys' names? I know, um, with Yorgo Tsakiri, uh, that he has, has embraced this role and loves this role that Almeida has put him into play this season. So, but for him to get that goal, that was just, that was the icing on the cake. Oh gosh, it was just, just gave you a tremendous feeling. As soon as the game was over, I went crazy. My wife looked at me like I was 
needing to go to a mental institution afterwards. Like you're, you're acting a little too crazy. Like calm down. The baby's looking at you all crazy. Like let's tone it down a little bit. It was just such a release of, of, of just anxiety and, and, and frustration for the, the past couple of weeks. And like I said, the, the cherry on top was Ike was the two draws that uh, the other competitors got, um, which psychologically gives Ike an advantage. You have, this is a great time for Ike to take advantage of this, get six points to move on from that. Let me see if I missed any players. If I did, I apologize. I talked about the refereeing already. I can't even Obolos where there's going to be at least five to 6,000 fans. At least they might be expecting more. For me personally, I think there's going to be more. Uh, you know, a couple of key injuries that really hurt, especially with players playing great right now with Sidibe and Amrabat. But Iker have been used to all season dealing with some type of injuries. Players have been out all season. The good news is getting Levy back. Getting Levy into game form, we really have missed him. You could tell it in in the match on Sunday that as soon as Levy Garcia went in, Balk moved their lines back because they knew Levy Garcia could get in behind the defense. And that, that helps Ike tremendously with keeping defenses honest, especially when you're playing uh, better opponents like Balk, Olympiacos, Panathinaikos. Against Volos, against Volos, not so much Adi's because I think Adi's going to be coming with confidence. And Adi, let's be honest, in their Philadelphia, the last match they played, together uh a 10 man Adis held their own against Ike let's not think Adi are going to be a pushover and we saw they're not going to be a pushover in Karaskaki they're definitely not going to be a pushover in Philadelphia but I think in this Volos match having Mandela with so much confidence where he had an assist for Greece he had a great assist and played well on Sunday in Pauk uh if Volos decide not to come at Ike and decide to play the way they did against Panathinaikos with holding their lines, playing a little more park the bus, it's going to be very key for Ike to, to have a player like Mandalos on the bench, to come off the bench, and it, it, you're going to have to have a moment of quality, I think. That's my prediction, in order to take this game against Volos. Now, an early goal can change that. It can really open things up, because I do think you get an early goal in the first you know, 20, 20 minutes of the match. That changes things, because you're going to have to have Volos come out and, and force and, and and play a more open style play, which can then uh, have Ike get behind Volos' defense. I don't see this being a thrashing. I don't want to make any predictions. I, I don't think I'm going to make any more predictions the rest of the season. I know that sounds kind of superstitious of me, but I feel like every time I make predictions, either something goes wrong, something goes right for uh, for a competitor. Like I said the other day, last week, all I said was Adis and Volos are going to be tough games, tougher than people think for everyone in the playoffs. And we saw what happened. Uh, but also what the other teams dropping points Sunday and you beating Bach, what that gives you is you have a little bit of wiggle room to where, let's say Amnabot comes out like a head case again uh, somewhere along the line and you lose a match against one of these teams or you drop points against Volos or Adis. If that happens, it's not devastating as it would be. And that's another thing that I wanted to bring up earlier that I totally forgot about. In my mindset, knowing that I knew that games against Volos and Adis were going to be tough, 
that's why a loss or a tie against Bauk scared me. Because you're in a position now to where, knock on wood, you screw up in one of these games with the other teams beating up on each other. We could be talking next Sunday and the points total being tied. You know, hopefully, I mean, the good things can happen that Ike are maybe three or four points or even four points ahead in the league uh, come Sunday. But, you know, if we had lost to Bauk and thinking that the inevitable would happen, that Olympiacos and Panathinaikos would win their games, you'd be facing these two opponents in a totally different mentality, in a totally different way with two tough opponents. Now you're going into it, you're first in the league, you're, uh, you're going into it with a lot more confidence. This changes things. Because I really thought that, and we never will know this, but if we would have lost... And things wouldn't went the way people expected them to go, as I just said. If we would have came into these games, I honestly think we would have lost points somewhere. But now we go into it with confidence. We go into it with, you know, it's not the end of the world. If we if we just pick up, a, if we lose a couple of points, obviously it's going to be very key. And I think Almeida knows that. I think the players know that, that if we win both these games, you know, we're going to be flying high, flying with confidence because we know for a fact the other teams are going to drop points. Um, probably, maybe I'll do a little podcast since this one went long after the Bolos game, unless something catastrophically happens or unless something happens where I really need to talk about it. Maybe I'll, I'll do an episode, uh, and preview the Addis game a little bit because I'll be able to watch some of these games tomorrow. Um, the Addis match, I should be home in time for the second half, uh, Sunday, if not, guys, have a good week. Forza Aikara, good luck to the basketball team today. Uh, just, it feels great, Ike fans. It feels great to be back in the thick of things. It was getting a little depressing, honestly, after those two results against Panathinaikos and Olympiacos, the last two matches. And then potentially, you know, yeah, mathematically, we wouldn't have been out of it. But like I said, if things had panned out the way people were expecting, um, and, I, and I have to be honest, like I... Did I know I could go into this game and win? Yes. But given the opponent and the struggles, especially that we've had against Balk uh, the past few years, I wasn't going into it confidently. You know, I and I honestly was preparing myself for the worst. I was preparing myself for a loss. And it, it also makes this podcast a lot easier if we're winning, uh, especially when we're in a title race. And like I said, it would be... Big time, Krima, if this team doesn't come away with some type of trophy. I really think we could win the double this year. Really think we could do it. It might not It might not happen. We might come away with no trophies. I think no trophies would be a travesty compared to the football and how hard this team has worked and how hard Almeida has worked uh, with this team this year. So hopefully we can do it, guys. Forza, I gotta, like I said before, good luck to the basketball team. And I'll either talk to you guys uh, maybe tomorrow night, maybe over the next couple days. Uh, if I don't, I'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully after we beat Volos and Aris, and we're still first in the league with a little bit of a, of a cushion. Uh, have a good week, everybody. Get the text on Apple, man.